Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 206 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So I know I've been complaining about the cold the last couple of days. You know, I like to put light and love out into the world, but your boy just can't handle the cold. Even though I'm up here in Rhode Island, I, I just can't deal with it. It hurts the tank top moniker when I have to cover up, you know, it's just, uh, it's just all, all nonsense. Anyway, I'm not going to mention the cold today. It's like 25 today. That's kind of warm compared to where it was a couple of days ago. So we'll just take it and we'll run with it. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about sick people needing joy too, right? So just a word out. And if you have no idea who I am or why you should listen to me, here's, here's a little bit about me. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, and that is me. So for today's teachable moment, in my fitness accountability group today, I posted a photo. Because after my my own workout, I was you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life. And that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, I see my mom is on. Hi, mom. How's it going? All right, so if 
this is for you, then definitely you want to stay. For, I mean, if you feel like this is for you, you definitely want to stay the whole way through if you can, or if not, catch the rest of, of the replay later on. If you feel like maybe this isn't for you, I challenge you to see it all the way through because I guarantee you we're going to change your mind because these shows are unscripted. I met my guests five minutes ago, and I don't pre-screen them. There's no pre predetermined questions. It's a free-flowing conversation about her life, what she what she's been going through, and the stamp that she's leaving on this world. So to have this conversation with me, let's welcome Melanie Melanie Olander to the show. And I didn't ask her if that's how you pronounce her name. Is that how you pronounce Hi. it? Olander? Melody Olander. Yeah. Olander. Damn it. I knew I should have asked. <laughs> it's okay. I get like Olander. I get so many different ones. So as long as it's similar, I'll respond. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're in the ballpark. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So where are you joining me from? I am in Arizona. And not to make you jealous, but I heard oh. you talk about that cold weather. Here we go. We're in the 70s over here. Here we go with you warm weather people. <laughs> what part of Arizona? I'm in Tempe, Arizona right now. Tempe. How far is that from Vegas? From Vegas, we're about four hours. Okay. Yeah, my daughter and I are going, we're going to the Grand Canyon, but we're flying in, into Vegas. Yeah, she's turning 15 and she really wants to go to the Grand Canyon. So I was like, all right, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Yeah, the Grand Canyon's cool. That's about maybe two or three hours from me. It's a little bit more north, but it's okay. really cool to go see, and yeah, it'll be cool. Nice. So are you an original Arizona gal? I am not. I am kind of all over the place. Originally from Santa Cruz, California, but okay. I am also Argentinian, so all my oh. family's from Argentina. <laughs> okay, so have you been there? Yes, I have. I used to live there for a little bit when... I was younger. I'm a dual citizen. So, okay. Yeah. Now I'm in Arizona, though, and I've been loving it. Nice. So, what brought you to Arizona? My family, actually. We moved here when we were younger, kind of got tired of everything that's in California, the natural disasters, mm. the prices. And Arizona just, we went on a road trip. Arizona seemed like the place to be. I went to college here. I love it. Okay. Good stuff. All right, so let's get to know you a little bit better before we dive into our main topic. So through the lens of your best friend, how would they describe you? <laughs> it's funny that you say that because my best friend actually sent me a video the other day and it was like, how would you describe your best friend? And it was like, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so when you say that, it just makes me laugh. Um, very protective, very loyal i'd say i love like if you're my friend you're my family i'm very protective very loyal and i just love them you know so that's how they always describe me as very loyal very protective very i'm not afraid to say what's on my mind they say i have no filter <laughs> i'm writing down blunt yeah very blunt <laughs> like they're anytime they introduce me they're like that's Melody. You'll know instantly if she likes you or not. She'll tell you. Like, <laughs> I don't have a filter. <laughs> I love it. So in, in my working capacity, because I work a lot with personal accountability. So they were actually busting my chops in the gym earlier today that I need to be more empathetic. Right. And I was like, all right, I get it. It's like in my in my personal life, like outside of that, I have some, you know, it's there. But 
in that capacity, I'm like, you guys pay me to get the best out of you. Like, you guys don't pay me to listen to your excuses. Yeah. You know, like, no matter how good they are, they're still excuses. You know, yeah. like, every every morning when my alarm goes off at 420, I can think of 10 reasons to stay in bed, you yeah. know, but, but I can think of 100 why I need to get up and go do what I have to do. So it's like, if I listen to yours, I'm doing you a disservice. Like, it's not that I'm not being empathetic. It's like, you're paying me to get you a certain result. Yeah. And it you sounds know, like, like you have the same mindset as me. And yes. I used to be a project manager. So it's very similar mindset. And I always yep. tell people there's a problem for every solution or there's a solution for every problem. Exactly. So depends what kind of person you are. Exactly. Even getting into this podcast slash speaking space. You know, people would saying, you know, if you show up in a tank top, people aren't going to take you seriously. And if you're this and if you're that and and I was like, okay, that's your interpretation. Yeah. Because like I'm entitled to my own interpretation. I said, yeah. I'm a gym owner. I said, this is if I'm gonna get on here and preach being your authentic self and I'm wearing a three-piece suit, <laughs> I'm, I'm not being my authentic self. I'm a gym yeah. owner, I'm an athlete, I'm a competitor. It's like, and this shows that. <laughs> you yeah. know? So so any which way, it's about breaking not even so much breaking the mold, it's creating your own. Yep. You know, it's like being who you are, who you were meant to be and not letting other people define what you should be. And I feel like that ties in to what we're going to be what we're going to be discussing today. So before we get into all of that, take me through your childhood. Like, how would you describe it? Like, what were your dreams? What did you see yourself doing for a career? Yeah, so I like I said, I was born, raised in Santa Cruz, California. Um we, my mom is Argentinian. My dad's an American. I have two siblings. I always wanted to be a vet. I grew up <laughs> with parents that let me have whatever pet I wanted as long as they were rescues. So yeah. I had wild animals. I had iguanas, peacocks, like every, wow. <laughs> you can imagine. I wanted to be a wildlife vet. Okay. Um, that was really my idea all throughout high school. I took veterinary classes. And I ended up on a full ride scholarship nice. to ASU here. Still my idea, wanted to study wildlife veterinary. I started volunteering at one of the wildlife rescues around here. But also during that time when I was 17 was when I first got sick. Yeah. Before, very type A personality. I used to be a dancer. I used to be a boxer. Oh, wow. I used to work out nonstop. It was... I would go to school, we would have weight training, I would have my dance classes, I would get home from school, I would go to the gym, and then I would go to the dance studio after. Like, very type A personality, always going. And one day I woke up blind in my left eye. I woke up in excruciating pain, no idea what was going on. Ended up in the hospital. They ended up medically sedating me because they had no idea what was going on. If I was having wow. a stroke, like they had. In fact, makes you a better coach. Yeah. You know, because like I always say one of the biggest flaws in the education system and people can talk about like systemic flaws and all that other stuff. The biggest flaw is you're trying to teach so many different personality types. That I asked them what day it was. It was a couple of days before my graduation. And I said, all right, well, I got to go. I have to work for my graduation. <laughs> and they said, no, you're not allowed to leave. 
Um, I left. I walked at my graduation. I then spent the next few months still really undiagnosed. They couldn't figure out what was going on. I still couldn't see out of my left eye. They really had no clue. I ended up losing extreme amounts of weight. I started passing out all the time and started college out like that. So mm. it was stressful. I was on a full ride scholarship. I was starting medicine. I was studying biological sciences. So there was a lot of stresses at that time. Um, really went undiagnosed for about the next two years. Spent all my free time in the hospitals, <laughs> in doctor's Jeez. offices. I was doing my homework and assignments in the hospital or in my free time at doctor's offices. I was supposed to take a break from school. Never did that. Um, so it was really pretty chaotic until they diagnosed me with a rare neurological disease. All right, hold on. Let's pause right there. Okay. All right. All right. So, so let's go back. Okay. Right, so, so what were you working on prior to you waking up blind in the left eye and in pain? Like so, what, what was life like right before that moment? Yeah. So I was working quite a bit. I was working at a golf course. I was a waitress at a golf course. I was actually pretty easy on the school load. I finished all my school courses and all my credits by my junior year. So I was supposed to graduate early, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to kind of hang out for senior year, take it easy. Um, so it was actually a pretty easy year considering everything. I was excited to start school. I had a full ride scholarship, so I wasn't going to be paying for anything. Yeah. Um, living at home. So it was, I don't know, it was good. And I was in a different relationship at that time. So it was a lot of good things. And <laughs> it's, I always say it happened for a reason, though, because it definitely switched my course. I was planning on going, like I said, for veterinary, I was going to be studying biological sciences for veterinary. Yeah. And that was going to be a very demanding job in a lot of ways. So, yeah, that was kind of my mindset back then. Okay. And so, so now we're, 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 we're at that morning. So you wake up, you can't see. What's your mental state like initially? Panicking. I, <laughs> when I talk about it now, I say like, it's dramatic, but like I was screaming for my mom saying I'm blind. Like mm -hmm. I had no idea what was going on. She called my uh, neurologist because I had had migraines in the past. So I had, she called and she's like, is this a migraine? What's going on? And she said, no, you need to take her to the ER immediately. That's not normal. Yeah. Um, my body was in excruciating pain. They, it was like, unlike anything I had ever felt before. I, my brain, like my head was in so much pain. Like my first thought when I woke up was to check my head because I thought I had been like stabbed or something was in my head because I was in so much pain. I couldn't see. So it was, it was surreal. Like when I look back, it feels dramatic. But then at the same time, when I got to the hospital, they put me on all these painkillers and couldn't get any of the pain down, couldn't figure out what was going on. It makes me realize like kind of how severe it was. Mm. 
Okay. And so, so now I'm just trying to trying to piece to piece together what you were feeling. You know, so the only the only thing I can really equate it to in my world was I was also 17. I was getting ready to well, actually I think I had I had turned 18 at this point. I was actually gonna go into the military. So I was on my last day of work at the restaurant and I'm doing my thing. I was I was a cook slash supervisor, but I was cooking at this time. I remember I bent down to get something out of the reach and I just felt pressure in my chest. I was like, the hell was that? <laughs> you know, it was like I wasn't sick or anything. It was just so out of the blue. And so I, I worked a few more hours and I just noticed anytime I bent down, there was just something weird going on in here. And so my I go to my manager and of course she freaks out. She she calls an ambulance and I was dating one of the, the waitresses at the time. So she's freaking out, you know, so I'm getting taken out on a stretcher. But now I'm in the hospital and kind of similar to what you were saying in the beginning, they didn't really know what was going on. And so at one point I lied back and the, you know how, how like you make the popping sound with, with your mouth? It, a sound like that was coming out of my chest. And so so now I'm panicking. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and so one doctor comes in, he's puts the, the stethoscope, but I'm looking at his face, right? And his face isn't giving me reassurance. I'm like, this dude doesn't know what this is. And so he he leaves 20 minutes later. Someone else comes in, and now the sound from my chest is getting louder, and it's getting more painful. And I'm thinking, am I having a heart attack? Like, am, am I dying? Like, what is happening? So the second doctor comes, same thing, puts the stethoscope on and just has this puzzled face. And so now by the time the third doctor comes in, you can hear it without the stethoscope. Like, it was like, like the sound was just echoing from my chest. It took six doctors to figure out what was going on. And like, so I was panicking. So when you were in there in pain, can't see and not getting any answers, like what was that like for you? Honestly, pure panic. I felt like part of me felt like I was dying. Part of me felt like I was insane. Like if they can't figure out what it is immediately, like, are you imagining this? Like, is it, Mm. you know? (laughs) <laughs> like, and they ended up medically sedating me. And the weirdest part about that is I think people assume that when you're medically sedated, you're completely out of it. You hear nothing. You aren't aware at all. But I wasn't able to talk. I wasn't able to, like, move. But I could still hear everything that was going on. And I think that was also the most, like, stressful part is because they talk about you. Like, you're not in the room and like doctors would be like we have no idea what's going on like yeah. is she dying is and you can't talk you can't react and i think that was probably the scariest feeling yeah. of being like what the hell is going on did, did even doctors like were, did you feel like you were stuck in a dream yeah that's and that's kind of why when i look back it feels so surreal and i have to think about it for a second because that's exactly what it feels like it didn't feel real I was like okay I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be back home this is just a dream like Mm. it's a weird nightmare (laughs) it's like my sister had a brain aneurysm burst in 2016 and she was she was in a medically induced coma for 
two to three weeks, I want to say. And I remember at one point we asked the nurses, like, can, can she hear us? And so the, the nurse goes up to her. She's like, let's find out. And she's like, Ramona. She's like, Ramona, can you hear us? She's like, give us a thumbs up if you can hear us. And now she had some paralysis, but she was able to move her hand and she gave us the thumbs up. So from that, you don't have to do it all today. Right. You know, so it's so like if people come in and they're just just unhealthy and they're looking to get started, like the and I'm guilty of this. So maybe a decade ago when I, when I was still still uh, green with this, is trying to get people to just do everything right away. You know, it's like just make sure you drink this much water, stop drinking soda, cut back on your coffee, cut back on your alcohol. We're gonna we're doing we're throwing all this stuff at them, and then their body is sore from the workout. So mm -hmm. it's like they're deprived and they're hurting and then they end up not sticking with it. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? So I have to, I have to switch up this approach. And it wasn't even from a financial perspective. It's like when I work with people, like I'm working with people, you know, it's like getting paid for is just a good side effect. So, right, right. so it's like when I'm working with the people, it's like, you know what? If you're not drinking enough water, let's start there. So like, don't worry about anything else. Just come to class okay. and let's yeah. make sure you drink enough water each day. Yeah. And then once you got that down, okay, we're going to work on breakfast. Well, I don't eat breakfast. Okay, well, we're going to work on you eating breakfast. And then once we get breakfast squared away, then we'll add something else. And then maybe by the end of the 30 days, they have a solid base. But trying to have people cram everything in in the first three days, your body's going to revolt against you. Right. <laughs> you, know? right. You, just, you can't go from this unhealthy to a total health nut in a span of 72 <laughs> hours. It just doesn't work that way. Right, right. One step at a time. Yes. You know? Absolutely. All right. So were you always in, into fitness? Like, like, do, do you have a sports background or anything? You know, I have always been into fitness. I don't know. I would, I would almost say it like this. When, you know, I was young and like maybe my friends would be reading like the, I don't know, what would the teen bot magazine be? I was into like shape. You know, I don't know, like, yes. it's just always kind of been my thing. Um, I'm not a huge, you know, I don't have a huge sports background. Running cross country was kind of as a high schooler, like that was kind of my thing. Yeah. Um, but I've always been, you know, at age 12, I got a gym membership. Like, I don't know. I've just always kind of been interested in fitness. Like, it's just been... I say at this point in my life, I say this is just a God-given, like... You know, so someone asked me that once who it was an artist and I was like, I don't know, you know, just like that's been implanted in you. It's mm. just been implanted in me. It's just, okay. um, you know, I want to ask you something. So yesterday's guest also has a fitness background. And this is a, this is a perspective that in all the years I've been doing this and the thousands of people that I've trained, I never looked at it this way because, you know, okay. um, I'm live with my mom pretty much full-time especially back then my dad I see a little bit less often he's remarried the two of them don't necessarily get along very well okay. <laughs> um so my mom was staying with me in the hospital like 24 7 he was coming to visit but of course there's that bickering that fighting especially when they think mm. that you're not awake oh, and you no. can't hear it yeah so it was stressful on me too. And then you hear like their individual crying or like I had friends visiting me and they were crying as well. So I think that's also hard. Like you said, keep it yes. positive, but I don't think they were aware that <laughs> I was aware the full yes. time. Okay. 
All right. So now you wake up and take take me through what happens next. <laughs> so I wake up there a little bit to not have um, maybe like foods that aren't good for you in your system on a regular basis. Um, you might not have ever felt like what it, it's like to have natural energy because you are like more healthy and fit and strong um, that lasts you through the day. So I, I absolutely agree. Like some people just need to make that turn that corner and then they get that experience. And then I feel like that's when it becomes just this regular part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to, to everyday life as well. Because like if you're someone who grew up poor and then some people just they just can't see themselves being financially stable because all they know is the grind to make a buck. Yeah. You know, so like when she said that, I just started piecing it into other aspects of life, like people who live in the inner city and then they move to the suburbs and they end up moving back to the city. You know, though, like I grew up in a rural area. So, so it's like, why would you move back to the hood? <laughs> it's, it's like that makes no sense. But that's what they know. That's what they're comfortable with. So I know it's cliche to say you have to leave your comfort zone, but it's so fact. It's like, yeah. like you, can't, you can't accomplish anything in this life if you stay comfortable. Right, right. And then what are you doing in your daily life to make this a reality? Because my program is, um, it's a Christian program and it's faith and fitness. You know, I, for me, it's also turning that corner with like Bible study. You know, that's yeah. my, my big focus is we're getting in daily exercise, but we're also getting in daily Bible study. And so kind of like along the same lines, some people have never had this, uh, you know, relationship with God before. Some people have never experienced maybe what it, what I believe the Bible has to offer and whatnot. And then you turn that corner, but now, yeah, like we're going to make this, that's when you start to work and make this a regular part, you know, are you taking 10 minutes a day? Are you taking, you know, like to actually read your Bible? Do you pray ever? And, you know, I feel like once, yeah, once you experience that, then right now we want to keep this going and it's those small habits every day yeah. that eventually over time, you know, get you somewhere, they build up. It's like building a, a brick wall, you know, you just keep laying on the bricks and eventually you got a huge wall, but you got to keep laying on those bricks like That's day right. by day, even if it's just one little brick at a time. It's true. Yeah. Like an analogy that I used to use, even as a restaurant manager, like I was, I would get all the way to the back of one room and I'd say that wall over there, how can you get to that wall? And I'm like, can you make it there in one leap? I was like, no, I said, no, it's, it's requires a series of steps, mm -hmm. you know, in order for you to get to that wall I said, and that's everything in life. Like, unless you hit the lottery, but even with that, uh, what's the number? Like 80, 85% of people who hit the lottery go broke. Yeah. And, and their what? life turns out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And they go broke because there was no discipline to achieve the money. Right. That's, and I think that's people get discouraged in those little steps. So if you're saying how long to get to that wall, and then people feel like each little step I'm taking isn't big enough. You know, I want it to be taking a bigger step. It's almost like after surgery, you know, first step is like, you're just trying to sit up. Then the next step, you're like, I'm going to step and stand up out of bed. Then the next step is like, I've made it to the bathroom by myself. And then finally you're walking around the hospital floor, but you have to have each step along the way. And even though, yeah, we want to be at the point that we're like back to normal life we have to take each of those steps that are leading us along the way and not ignore them. Yeah, see, and I always use the surgery example as well because I've had seven of them. 
<laughs> you know, and, and plus, like it says in my intro video, you know, I was told I'd never run, run a jump again. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes back to you have a choice to make. It's like you have, yeah, the doctor can say what they say, but you have a choice to make. And I've used this example before. I'm sure you've heard of Les Brown, the motivational speaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, he, he's been battling cancer. And so he shared a story. Of, this was last year, I believe. So he shared a story. He was speaking with his doctor. And the doctor said, you know, basically, we've come to the end of our treatment. And so Les says, so you're basically telling me that I'm going to die. And he said, no, I'm telling you, as in our medical profession, there's nothing else we can do for you. He said, whether you live, live or not, it's between you and God. Okay. You know, and I was like, that's that's powerful. That's super, mm-hmm. super powerful. So so whether people believe in religion or not, there there is something higher that you can reach to. Something yeah. like does, does, doesn't matter what your higher being is. Like I always say the universe, you know, that just encompasses everything. So no matter what you believe, the universe covers it. Okay. But it's like once once you take it outside of just you, amazing things can happen. And so once I once I started walking again after that knee surgery, you know, I started getting more and more confidence. And then once I started running again, I was like, game on. It's like like, this is coming all the way back. Yeah. All the way back. But but again, going back to what I say about feeling it, I felt I mean, I was an all American athlete. So it's like I felt what being in tip top shape felt like. You know, so for me wanting to get back there because right. because I've already experienced you it. Already experienced it. Yes. Absolutely. So so for that person that hasn't experienced that and we're trying to paint them a picture for something that they may not be able to see, mm-hmm. I really think that's the biggest power in having a coach, whether it's a fitness coach, a business coach, a life coach, you gotta help people see what they can't see yet. And that's called faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are living life without a vision. Yes. And then what are you doing? You're really existing. You're just, you're just, um, you're just getting by. You're just living on default, you know, rather than like living by definition of the person you're trying to become. Yes. And in my opinion, that's the person that God created you to to be, you know, the best version of you. So are you going to live by default or are you going to live by design, by purpose, you know, living on purpose, really? Yeah. Yeah, I always say that content is the enemy of happy. You know, like people people who are content won't take the steps to get to where they want to be. It's like mm-hmm. most most people at some point they they got to hit as close to rock bottom as possible to be like I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then that fire is lit. But people who have a have a decent paying job, they like most of their coworkers, they're okay with their boss, they make enough money to support themselves, they're content. You know, right. they may not they may not necessarily be happy, but when you cross over into into your passion and you're helping people, that's a whole different level of happiness. You know, mm-hmm. it's like watching someone go from self-doubt, you know, go to hating their bodies, go to having no energy, no endurance, no muscles, and, and then just helping them transform more so mentally than the physical stuff is like right there. It's like that's a superpower. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. helping people go from here to here. That's a superpower. And, you know, I think it's a fine art. It's a skill. It's like the goal is to always be wanting more, but yet to be um, comfortable in my own skin yes. at the moment. 
right? You know, it's like that, that balance where it's like, I don't want to just be comfortable in my own skin and now just settle for anything. But I don't also always want to always be striving for more without appreciating what I currently have. You know, it's like that, that balance of like, I am satisfied, but I'm still working for more. You know, I am, I have a feeling of contentment, but I'm still driven with a forward facing like vision and focus, you know, always feeling like I can be better. How can I be better? If you're not asking yourself, how can I be better? I just feel like you're, you're not, um, that's when you're just, that's when you're just existing. That's when you're not growing and without like growing, then what's the purpose kind of, you know? See, and that goes back to, it, it could go back to upbringing. It could go back to time in school, but I always say we, we are born to be amazing. And it's yeah. somewhere along the, along the way. Like, just think about it. Um, are you a mom? I am a mom. I have three girls. Awesome. And yeah, I, yeah, I have three, three boys, two girls. And, okay. and I don't ever once tell my kids to underachieve, right? It's like, we, we tell our kids to just, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. You can put your mind to it. And, you know, we encourage our kids to be better every single day, but then somewhere along the lines, it, it switches. Cause as adults, you know, if if you're trying to just spread your way, oh, you're you're showing off, you're being cocky, you're chasing a dream, you're doing this. You should be focused on your kids. You should be focused on this. And it's like, whatever happened to spread my wings and fly? Like, right, I'm, right. I'm trying, I'm trying to fly, and now you're trying to clip my wings. <laughs> and how many like things that we teach our children? I mean, think back to toddlers and things like that. That then do you embody it in your own life? You teach yes. them delayed gratification. You yep. teach them just because you want it right now doesn't mean you should have it right now. Yep. You teach them like, you know, and as they get older, they're in high school. Okay. You don't feel like doing your work. It needs to be done. This yep. is going to help you grow. So, but then you're telling me that you want to be healthy and fit, but like, what are you doing to change it? Mm -hmm. I, I want to change my body, but you still will eat the cookie because you haven't learned to delay that gratification. So, you know, it's like we teach it to our kids, but then as adults, we find, you know, actually that's hard to live by. It's, you know, and, and that's the, right. That's what we should be doing though, is that's how we should be living the way we're teaching our kids and right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and our kids think we're the best people on, on earth, even, even though <laughs> we're giving them all these rules and the discipline and the life lessons and, and all that stuff. And, but like, like you said, but then we look in the mirror. <laughs> and, it's yeah. like, and it's like, I'm not doing any of the stuff I just told the kid to do. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, man. So, and that's one, one of the biggest things. So one of my biggest switches when I decided to leave the restaurant industry was because I wanted to be around for, for my kids. Like my dad was very present, you know, very present. Mm -hmm. And uh, mom mom kind of worked a lot. It's like she, she, she came to what she could, but she, she worked double shifts almost daily, you know. So she was out there on the grind dad worked third shift so he was he was more available to come come to everything but you go to sporting events it's mostly moms that are there anyway like right, I've coached, right. yeah like i've coached sports for a long time and i've met a handful handful of dads that were there on the regular and and i didn't want to be that dad so it's like i had that's a pretty strong higher purpose you know to be a more, a more present yes. dad in the life of my kids and, and i find you know people always say find your why, find your why. I say, find your reason, 
You know, it's like there's a thousand whys. Now, what's your reason to do it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like you can yeah. say, say it because I need to lower my my cholesterol. That's a good why. I need to lower my blood pressure. That's a good why. My joints ache. I need my joints to stop, stop aching. Okay, but what's your reason to do it now? Right. <laughs> because that reason is what's going to drive you forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with your business, how did you start it? Oh, boy. Okay. I'm just trying to get out of this little sunlight patch right there. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mentioned briefly, I was a school teacher. I, I taught elementary school for about, oh my gosh, I forget now, about 18 years or so. Oh, wow. And, you know, towards the end of those 18 years, I, I was feeling pretty done. Like, um, and I think a lot of teachers don't leave teaching even when they feel kind of done just because what else? can I do it? What else am I going to do? You know, uh, prior to teaching, I was a personal trainer. Like I was in the fitness industry and that was kind of my thing. I was a trainer while I was going through school. I got my master's degree in education. I was training clients. Um, you know, and I'd say towards the end of those teaching years, I really kind of feel like for me, because like I said, I have a faith and fitness program. I feel like God was calling me somewhere else. And I just had this strong urge to kind of change my life. I feel like at this point in time, 18 years have passed. I'm at the same school. I'm doing the same thing. And you just see life kind of flying by. And what's changed? Where's my growth been? What's been different? And I just felt this desire. I need to have something else. Um, around that time, I was teaching yoga. I had gotten yoga certified. I was teaching some yoga classes. And then a trainer that we knew in the area had, who had opened her own private business, her own private gym, had her own clientele was about to move and leave to Utah. And she was looking for a trainer to take over her clients and the opportunity. And it just kind of lined up, you know, granted it was a huge risk for me because I left teaching is very secure. And that's another reason people don't leave teaching. I, and I, I took that leap and I took over these clients and I, I left teaching and that's kind of where it started. Now, Prior to that, however, I had been working on a faith and fitness program. At this point in time, it was yo, it was more yoga centered, which um, did not get a lot of like positive feedback. I didn't get a lot of open doors with yeah. this route, but we had already recorded videos. I was trying to get it into churches, like kind of teach live classes, um, and. During this time, actually, I tore my hamstring tendon, which is a, ooh, that was a brutal. I mean, I've had some surgeries too. I've done the ACL. I actually broke my hip once. Um, But that hamstring tendon, I tell you, that took me out for like, that took me out for a long time. That took yoga away for sure. And it was during this time, like, you know, we were meeting with someone in a church, like really trying to get my program, Soul Strength, like to kind of take off. And I was thinking live classes at this time. And, you know, he said to me, like, Kelly, you know, there's people on the staff who won't even like talk about yoga, who won't even say like, just it's not really uh, super accepted, you know, because there's too many other backgrounds with yoga. And it it was right then that I was like, well, I can't even do yoga. I'm not totally tied to yoga. It's just to me, it was a kind of peaceful, you know, I had been doing it in my own morning routine. Um, and so we switched the program right then and there to fitness based completely. So I have a completely fitness based workout program that includes Bible study. So, um, like we work, I work Bible study into the workout really. 
and then I have accompanying like devotionals. And so, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a huge process, all these things mm -hmm. kind of happening all at once, you know, um, but, and then it took years. I mean, just like many things, you know, it really took years to get from that point to that point, but it was kind of like based on my own experiences, you know, when I was teaching super busy mom, three kids, you know, a baby toddler, kindergartner and trying to rush to school. And um, during that time, my husband had like lost his job, you know, he, there was unemployment and it was a rough time period, you know, really rough time period in our life. And before I would go get myself to work and then have to take care of teaching and then my own family, I would get up, I would try to get in a little bit of Bible study and I would try to get in a workout because I knew my day was going to be so much better if I could do those two things. So my days would start that way. And I would say that's what planted the seed was like that time period of my life, you know, when it was like, I, we were kind of struggling the most, it was very difficult. And, you know, I realized the importance for me of having a short amount of time, but accomplishing these two things. Yes. So, you know, fast forward many years, I created a program for women that accomplishes those two things in a short amount of time. It integrates them both. Um, but, you know, it took a long time to get there. And it's, you know, I mean, it's just any journey, any goal that you have. Dreams, but I kind of think life sometimes gives you, pushes you in a different direction when it's not where you're supposed to go. Absolutely. And for me, I didn't necessarily know where I was supposed to go at first. I still kept going to school. I got my master's by 22. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do project management now. I was helping companies kind of fix themselves, kind of starting from scratch or whether they were just needing to improve in other areas. And one thing led to another. And that really kind of just led to me starting my own thing and really getting to where we are now with But You Don't Look Sick. So what was that one thing that led to another? So for me, the I want to say the biggest thing that really started, but you don't look sick was throughout this entire journey, I was doodling in this journal, right? I was drawing, I was in hospitals all the time. I would get isolated and put like in the chemo ward to where I would have to be by myself. So drawing and doodling really became like an outlet for me. Okay. Um, and eventually I finished after like a couple of years, I finished this book. It was like a hundred pages of drawing art and I showed it to my friends and family, you know, I was like, well, this is kind of weird to look back, you know, from the first <laughs> page all the way to yes. the end and see how much my mental state has changed to see how much everything was different. And my friends and family loved it and they wanted the book for like copies of the book for themselves and copies of the art. Yes. So I figured out it was cheaper, honestly, for me to just scan the whole book, put it as an e-book version, did that for friends and family. I posted it on Amazon to make it easier for them to download it. And then a bunch of strangers started finding me. <laughs> a bunch of strangers <laughs> started finding that book and reaching yeah. out to me on Facebook and saying, hey, I came across your book. I really relate to it. 
I titled that book, but you don't look sick just to be, like I said earlier, facetious. Like I Mm. had been told that my entire life. I was told that every time I told someone what was going on with me. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to call it, but you don't look sick because it's in some ways a dark book that you wouldn't expect from a blonde, blue eyed, like happy looking girl. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where the title came from. And I had all these strangers reaching out to me in my message requests were getting full. And I felt weird. I felt, (laughs) (laughs) I felt sad because I was ignoring these people. And I also really wanted to talk to them too, because they could relate. And at this time I didn't have an online community. I didn't really, I don't know, do much of that. So I created an Instagram page just called, but you don't look sick to point them over towards. I was like, Hey, listen, I started this page. I'll share stuff from my book quotes. I like whatever. And that page has just blown up. It's over 40,000 followers now. And yeah, like one thing has just led to another. I wanted to talk more than I could on my Instagram post. So I started a blog and then people wanted to hear my full story. So I started a podcast and (laughs) it's just kind of one thing like leads to another. And now it's this big thing and what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, but if I wouldn't have ever gotten sick, who knows? Love it. And as it says up above us, your true power lies in your story. So I'm glad that you shared that part because I try to urge people, no matter what it is that you're going through, put it out into the world because you have no idea who needs to hear it. They need to hear it the way that you can say it and how people will identify with you. It's just so many, so many amazing things can happen from it. Like, I used to put I used to put on my fitness page a, a, a tip of the day. It could just be something about drinking water. It could be something about getting steps in or whatever it was. And you know, you know, when social media is all about likes and shares and comments and everything else. And so there was like almost no engagement on these posts. So it's like, am I wasting my time here? So I, so once I had just stopped it. And so it was like a couple of days, then I started getting inbox messages like, hey, what happened with the tip of the day? You know, it's just like, I love starting my morning re- reading that stuff. I was like, oh, so like people, people want to hear this stuff. Okay. And then a couple of months goes by and I get this long inbox message about someone who lost 25 pounds. Now I actually know the person, like I went to high school with them, but you're talking, I graduated a long time ago. I graduated yeah. in 1992. So it's like, I it's been like 30 years since I've seen this person. And, uh, but they, they sent me this long message saying I lost 25 pounds. You know, my blood pressure is down, my cholesterol is under control. So I just, I've just been following your posts every single day. And I just want to thank you for inspiring me. And it's just one of those things that, yeah, it may not get a million views or, you know, uh, 500 shares or anything. But everything that you post has the power to change the direction of someone's life. Yeah. You know, so the fact that you put your words out there. And it changed everything. I was like, yeah, maybe you're not in that veterinary space making the lives of animals better, but you're making the lives of people better. So it's like you're still in that same scope. It just looks a little different, and that's okay. Yeah, and that's definitely – and like you said, it's 
it's hard sometimes when like, and especially when you're first starting, you're like, if you only get two likes or two shares in that social media world, you're like, yeah, is this worth it? But I think about it very differently. If 10 people like it, if two people like it, I think about that as if I had a conversation with two people that day and I changed yeah. the opinion of two people that day or made two people remember to drink water or remember to take yeah. their steps. That's a pretty big accomplishment. And yes. when you actually think about it on a personal level and almost that butterfly effect, I want to say mm -hmm. one person leads to another person to another person. Yes. And I think we can kind of easily forget about that, especially in the social media world. You want a hundred likes or a thousand likes. But then when you think about actually how big that scale is and think that those are actual individual people taking what you're saying to heart and acknowledging it. And I think that kind of brings a different element and makes me really appreciative of it, no matter if it's 10,000 likes or two likes. <laughs> That's really always my perspective of it. And it's true. like you said, just being very genuine and I never expected to do this. People tell me all the time they love my writing, they love how I speak, whatever it might be. Throughout school, I was told I write horribly. My brain is too ADD. Yeah. I need to <laughs> calm down my thoughts. So I didn't think I would write. I hated the subject of writing. Yeah. And people always tell me how much I articulate what they have felt or what they've been thinking, but weren't able to express. And yes. sure, you may not perfectly academically write correctly, but if you just express how you feel in a genuine way, people will resonate with that. And, and that's exactly what it boils down to because uh, I dropped out of college. And so when, when, I, when I'm speaking with people, a lot, a lot of people find that hard to believe. Because you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, I talk about mental health and I talk about all these other things. And they're like, oh, my God, like, what's your what's your background then? Like, oh, I have no background. <laughs> like, like, I'm 47 years old. Like, that that's my background. Like, I've lived through stuff. I've gone through stuff. I've overcome stuff. Yep. Like, I, and I'm qualified to speak about said stuff. You know, yep. so it's like, yeah, I can't medically diagnose you with something. But if you're stuck in a rut, I can help you get right out of that rut. You know, if yep. you suffered grief in your life, I can help you overcome that grief. Again, yep. just on the personal human side, like I said, if you need medication or if you need, you know, medical advice, I'm not your guy. But like, if you're stuck somewhere and you want to get somewhere else, I am qualified to get you there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it boils down to. Like you said, be your authentic self, show up powerfully, show up from a place of caring and giving and then the world rewards you. Like I got a, I got an email the other day that my podcast is ranked 19th in Indonesia. I don't even know where Indonesia is, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have a following of people there who regularly listen to this show. You know, I love that. <laughs> I know it's somewhere in the far East. That, that's all I know. <laughs> I love that. That is great. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about, about your, about your site, your business. So like, how did you, how did you go about building it? Like who's your target? What's your end goal? What's next for you? All that good stuff. Yeah. So really for me, my biggest goal was to be a central hub of information for everyone, for patients, caregivers, people who really want to educate themselves more. My biggest thing when I got sick with this rare disease was 
I had no one I could connect to and I couldn't find necessarily information online. I felt like a lot of it was researching and finding my own information and kind of learning this new language in a way. It was all very new. It was, it was kind of overwhelming <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I found different places with information, but they were all, again, very separate, very, like each place had different pieces of information. So with But You Don't Look Sick, once I started the website for the blog, really to just be able to talk more, I realized I wanted to include more information. So on there is really just research of different diseases, things that if you need financial help, you can find different websites I've come across that offer financial help. If you want to listen to podcasts, I share different podcasts <laughs> from people who talk about what it's like having a disease, different TED Talks, different people in the community that I think are worth following. Really just a lot of things that I wish I had when I first got sick. Yes. And that's really just kind of my main goal at the end of the day is to make people feel seen and to make it easy to find all this information in one place. I like. All right. So on the website, is it B-U-T-Y-O-U? Uh, B-U-T-U and then don't look sick. Yeah. Okay. Like this doesn't look like you. <laughs> You're like, this isn't you. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted, wanted to check it out while, while you were talking about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and it's really grown. We've started a clothing shop with there it is. raising awareness for different conditions. So clothing with different condition names, but you don't look sick. Back says not every disease is visible. So really just different ways that we can raise awareness. And there we go. There's us. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Go ahead. You can keep talking. Oh, Raise yeah. awareness. Yeah. But yeah, we're just really trying to focus. And then we talk about the nonprofit side. So we did recently get accepted to become a nonprofit. Awesome. And we are now starting to fundraise ourselves to be able to pay for patients' medical bills because that is a huge stressor for a lot of patients is mm. not being able to afford their medical bills, not being able to paid to get better. They're choosing between buying their groceries or picking up their medications. And I don't think that's a decision anyone should be making. Agreed. So that's really our big goal with the nonprofit side is helping patients in that way. And then really the social side is just providing that information, providing that community feeling and reminding people they're not alone, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. See, I have I have two different computers here. And, I, and like I'm trying trying to copy paste, but I keep hitting the wrong computer. <laughs> so, so if it looks like I'm not paying attention, I am. I'm trying to get your website up on the screen. There we go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Yeah, because for some reason on my desktop, the green screen stopped working. And I don't know why. So when I broadcast now, I bring my laptop in. But like my regular stuff is still here, and I've done what two hundred some odd episodes of using the same keyboard and mouse. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm the same way. Things. I have yes. different 
yeah computers and i'm like okay wait which one goes to which one yes <laughs> yeah like why isn't it copying like oh wrong keyboard yeah that's why <laughs> or i'll oh, plug boy. in my mic somewhere and i'm like why can't i hear anyone and i'm like wrong computer <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh it's too funny yeah so this is this is great it's like i love that you're you're getting the word out and it's, de it's definitely super, super disrespectful when people say, oh, you don't look sick, or you don't look look like you need assistance, or why is that person in a wheelchair? It's like, how about you mind your business? <laughs> you know, because coming yep. from someone that has been there myself, you think I want to be in a wheelchair? <laughs> because trust me, I don't. You think I want a walker after I had my knee surgery? Hell no, I don't. You know, yep. it's like you're walking around in pain. You don't owe anybody any explanations and just the fact that people feel so emboldened to comment you know it's like what is going on in your life that you're worried about why i'm in a wheelchair that's <laughs> my favorite when you say that it's funny because one of my biggest response when my disability is visible like i mentioned i got this leg surgery this transplant so i have a brace or i recently got it off but i had this brace yeah. that went up from my thigh all the way down to my ankle it was this yeah. huge metal thing I was either in a wheelchair or two crutches and people yeah. just kept coming up to me and they're like, what's wrong with you? So then mm. my favorite thing would just be like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah, for real. <laughs> like, why do you feel the need to comment on something that either does or doesn't look visible? Or I have a handicap parking because like I said, I'll pass out if with my mm. blood pressure and my heart rate. And so many people come up to me and they're like, oh, who'd you steal that handicap pass from? Or Oh, are you using your grandparents' handicap pass? And I'm like, my grandparents are dead. This is mine. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what. And it's just so funny to make people feel uncomfortable now. Like, I feel like their goal in some ways to make me feel uncomfortable. So that's just yeah. what I've gone back doing. And I'm like, maybe the next person, or if they said this to someone else, won't feel comfortable or confident enough to... I don't know, make a comment back. So check them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be that person. <laughs> exactly. I'll make you feel uncomfortable from bothering another disabled person if that's what it takes. Yes. Like I did I did an obstacle race. It was up in Vermont. Now the year before I did this race, it was cold up there. So it was in, in it was mid-September and it was cold. So for whatever reason, the next year, I don't know if it was global warming or just a freak thing, but it was 85 degrees. So 85 in Vermont in mid-September is hot. Very so, hot. So it's not Arizona Vegas hot, but for up here, it's hot. And so the, the race company ended up running out of water. And so it was a 16-mile race. So, you know, we have hydration packs, and you're trying to fill it. And again, one of those things that you can't see from looking is I have one kidney. And I donated one to my sister. So hydration is super, super important. You know, to the point to where being dehydrated can shut down my remaining kidney. Yeah. And so they finally get to a place where there's water and there's a big line. And so I cut the whole line <laughs> because I was at a point where like yeah. my body was shaking. Yeah. And so like, I don't know what's going on in here. And I, I can't wait for 200 other people to get their water. So yeah. I cut the entire line. And there's one dude that's like, hey, buddy. You can wait in a line like the rest of us. I said, how many people here have one kidney? I said, all right, then I won't be waiting like the rest of you. Yeah. And I kept, and I kept on going. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I was like, you know, don't don't just judge. It's like you don't know what somebody else is dealing with. Yeah, you never know. And that's don't. always my biggest thing that I try and remind people. It's even if someone isn't publicly announcing it, if someone doesn't publicly look sick or look like something's wrong with them, you can't see everything that's going on. Like you yes. said, you had seven surgeries. I'm in the same boat. I'm covered in scars. I have two here. I have my arm, my leg, yeah. my stomach. No one can see that, especially when I'm wearing a jacket or a t-shirt. You think they can see all my scars? So yeah. I always say everyone's going through something. Everyone is dealing with something that you might not be able to see. So just mm -hmm. keep your mouth shut if you <laughs> if you don't understand it or exactly. you feel like making a derogatory or a negative comment, just keep your mouth shut. I'm happy to educate people. I'm happy to talk to people who are genuinely curious and want to learn and say like, one thing is coming up to someone saying like, hey, what's going on? Like, I've never seen that brace before. Like, what is it for? Yeah. Okay, I will totally educate yeah, you. Yeah, that's different, exactly. That's completely different, coming down my level, talking to me like a person, you know? Not, hey, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Why do I want to have a conversation with you then? Exactly. Like, and 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 with with me, I'm I'm a naturally curious person. Like, and yeah. I work I work with the body, and I know how resilient the body is. Yeah. So if I see something, I'll say, "What are you dealing with?" Yeah. And and that's usually pretty well received. Yeah. Versus what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> that's like I'm normal. You're not. Why that's are exactly you not normal? What it feels like. <laughs> yes. Like. Yeah, it feels like. I don't know. It, then it almost makes you feel like everyone kind of perceives you in that way. Like everyone yes. sees you as, oh, you have something wrong with you. But that guy was the only one bold enough to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, all right, going out into the world already takes enough energy from us sometimes. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to explain myself 30 times a day <laughs> on yes. top of that. See, and that's the other part I wanted you to address before before we break this down. Is like, what do you say to someone who's living with th that chronic illness that can't be seen and they're afraid or not, maybe not necessarily afraid, but they don't want to deal with people in that manner. It's like, what can, like, how can you empower them to share their stories and not let those naysayers keep them in a shell? I feel like for me, the biggest thing is being aware of the kind of person that you're dealing with and talking to it's know whether you are dealing with someone that you can educate or if it's someone that just wants to bother you or is being nosy. I feel like a lot of the time you can waste your energy on people who don't really necessarily care to be educated or <laughs> aren't open to receiving. Yes. So be very conservative of your energy. Know whether it's someone who's genuinely curious or whether it's someone who is just nosy and wants to bother. My favorite way to shut down nosy people when they say, what's wrong with you? You don't look sick, etc." I always say, not every disability is visible. And it kind of just shuts it down. I stop the conversation there. I move <laughs> on. I walk off, um, hobble off with my crutches. <laughs> <laughs> if, like you said, if they're genuinely curious and they say, what are you going through? Like, I've never seen that brace before. Like, 
what's your condition? Yeah, I will totally, if I have time, I'll sit there and, or if I don't, I'll say, I don't necessarily have the time to explain it to you, but I have a rare disease called CIDP. You can look it up and learn more if you're interested. Yeah. And it's not necessarily your responsibility to educate everyone, but exactly. if you want to, you can offer those tools and, but also be sure to be aware to conserve your energy and not feel like you have to educate everyone if you don't want to. Yes. Yeah. Like when, when I was dealing with, so I, I was getting on a flight and granted I was going to do a Spartan race, but like I said, you don't know what hurts me and when. Yeah. So it's like walking, I'm fine. Jogging, I, I can jog intermittently. You know, give me yeah. about 200 meters that I can walk. Jog 200 meters, I walk. I can split it up. Sitting in a cramped space at the time was excruciating. Yeah. And so to sit on a three-hour flight, crammed up in the middle, didn't work. Like, like I said earlier, so I would get the pre-board so I could get one of the front seats so I can stretch out. Yeah. And this guy sitting in the business class line, because, you know, the pre-boarders go first. And same thing. He's like, hey, buddy, you know, you know, same, same thing. Like, you don't look like you need assistance. And I said, how would you like me to look? <laughs> like, what's acceptable for you? Yeah. And then he didn't say it. And I just walk, walked off. I just left left it at that. It's like, like, I don't owe you an explanation. No. Was like, I know why I need this pre-board. Yep. You know, it's like, if you're bold enough to make a statement, like, what's acceptable for you? Like, how should I look? Yeah. It's like, should I be limping? Should I be on crutches? Should, should I be, you know, it's like, yeah, I can walk, I can walk to the plane. Sitting yeah. is the problem. Sitting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so just cause I'm not in a wheelchair doesn't mean that I don't need an accommodation once I get on the plane. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, it's like, I can deal with it now, but kind of how you said, I have a scar this big across my knee. Yep. Cause I, cause I had a patella tendon ru rupture where my kneecap, went three to four inches up my quad and like so much other stuff tore in there as well. So like those first few years after that surgery, it said sitting was the worst. Long car rides, plane rides, anything yep. where I was sitting for hours, it was hell. Yeah. You know, so the fact that I could get the very first seat in the plane where I could actually stretch out and keep it as straight as possible made my world easier. Yeah. I was like, sorry that I don't look the part for you, <laughs> you know, but how does where my seat on the plane affect your life one ounce? <laughs> and it's always, it's a lot of the time I feel like, and I get asked that too. It's almost like people feel like if they pay for a certain accommodation to be, I don't know, load first, whatever it might be, be first in line. Once a disabled person gets past them, I've noticed this like attitude of like, yeah. why am I paying if they get to go before me? Like, and it's like, all right. You want to trade bodies for a few minutes? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm like, what, why? We're all going to leave the plane at the same time. Yes. It's taking off at the same time. Like, yep. I have. This is so right. I have a body that needs a little bit more time. I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you can gladly feel what, what I feel if I could transfer it to you for 20 minutes. And let's see, let's see how, how you deal with this. Like we deal with this every single day. Yeah. You know, every day. Sorry, you have to wait three extra minutes before you board. 
Like, come on. (laughs) I know. One girl told me her favorite quote to use, and I love it. She said, you can take my benefits if you take my disability. I'm like. Exactly. I'm like, that's true. That's Mike drop. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I love that. My drop. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, this this was a great conversation as I knew it was gonna be. Yeah, and it was... I think I think I'm gonna reach out to G- Gigi and see if I can get you guys both on an episode. Yeah, that would be awesome. Just, just talk about talk about life because because again, it's one of those things that, that I think people may not say that stuff from a place of malice. But they just don't realize what a jerk they come across as. <laughs> you yep. know? So, so like just the more that we, we can have these conversations, it's just, it just maybe it'll make people think twice about how they interact, not knowing what someone's going through on the inside. It's like, it's like yeah, maybe I'm not limping. That doesn't mean I don't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, it's, and it's really people just being aware that for them, it might just feel like maybe we're the first disabled person they've seen in a while and they're asking this question, but honestly, I'll get this question. Like when I go out somewhere like 10, 15 times a day, like I'll be stopped every like 10 feet if I'm using crutches or whatever. And I'm like, do you think about how exhausting that is to have to (laughs) explain yourself every couple Mm -hmm. of feet? Like you can't just go to a grocery store. And I feel like people just need to be more educated. Yes, and and just mind your business. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like mind your business. If, you know, if I'm on the the little wheel card thing at, at, at the grocery store, it, do you think I want to be on that? Because yeah. I promise you, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely don't. But like, if I'm if I see someone on it, then they obviously need to be on it. Yeah, and it's like I'm not going to try to figure it out. They don't owe me anything. I, I'm there to get my groceries. I get my groceries and I leave. Yeah, it's like the person on the scooter. More power to you. Do what do yeah. what you got to do. Yeah. You know, but but it's it's because uh, like I I witnessed it before being and just watching people belittle other people and it's like who the hell are you? Yep. To talk down on this person because at some point it could be you. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, think about that. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't mock anybody's pain because I've been in pain. If yep. anything, I'm like, ooh, like they must be in rough shape to have one of those. Yep. <laughs> exactly. know, let's think about it that way. Yeah. Rather than. You don't look sick. What was my tongue supposed to be hanging out of my mouth and me walking on bow legged? Like, what am I supposed to look like? (laughs) And I always say, like, I think that people assume it's this very small population of disabled and sick people, but Mm. one out of every four people is disabled or has a chronic condition. And that's a lot of people when you think about it. (laughs) So if they think it's such a small scale, it's, one out of every four people is a lot. When you just look in a room and you start counting people that's yeah. and know that that many people out there are probably struggling too, it's it changes your perspective. Yeah, that and that's the thing too. It's like you don't know the struggle that yeah. someone is going through. And then your your ignorant comments could be enough to push this person over <laughs> the deep end. It's like you never know. It, it, it might just be an innocent inquiry to you but to that person it's like the hundredth time today yeah that, that they're hearing something dumb like that and yeah. then they're gonna turn around and snap on you yeah. so, that's <laughs> why minding your business is key yep <laughs> exactly. oh god all right melody this has been a solid conversation and uh yeah like i said definitely want to ha- have you back back on you know down the line we'll check in with you yeah, and um, i'm probably gonna do i do panels 
And uh, I'm probably going to do one on living with chronic illness because I've had several, several of, of you guys on now, not just you and Gigi, and get a group of people together and just let everyone go through, share their stories. And again, just to spread spread the word, spread awareness, and uh, let pe people know that there's people like you who are out there make, making a difference. Yeah, I would love that. That sounds awesome. All right. This is great. So I will be in touch and um, I have some connections for, for you as well. All right. That so, sounds uh, amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. So seek me out on Facebook because I make the uh, connections there on okay. Messenger just because just emails can get buried. So yeah, every, every, everybody che checks their messages. Yep. So. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day. Thank you so much. I appreciate right. talking to you. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. All right, so that was Melody. If you're tuning in late, make sure you go back and watch the entire thing. We shared a lot of solid insights here, and uh, that's what it's all about. So just because someone may not look like they're in pain on the outside, you never know what they're suffering with on the inside. So be kind, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time. Shut Side. So what does being fit for you look like you know if it looks like being able to lift up 300 pounds i don't know then yeah. like hey by all means like you keep lifting those big weights you know you decide what fitness looks like for you yes and yeah. you know go for that love that love that all right so give us some final thoughts even though you kind of just just did <laughs> and you know let pe people know where they can get in touch with you all right. So, you know, I guess some final thoughts. I, I always encourage people like start small, work on daily habits above anything yes. else. And once you have daily habits in place, that's where you're setting yourself up for, for success. You got to decide who is the person I want to be. Yes. And then what are the character traits that that kind of person has? And now how am I working to develop those character traits? One amazing thing about working on your physical fitness is I a hundred percent believe it works on your character as well. That's how you learn perseverance. That's how you learn sticking with things when they're tough. This is how you learn, you know, delayed gratification and things like that. You know, learning how to breathe through something that might be driving you nuts. So I, I feel like um, our physical training can do a lot for your character development as well. So just start small decide on the person you want to be and then figure out the ways that you're going to get there and make it just a daily regular routine. Yes. So, you know, my, my program is called soul strength fit, and this is a Christian program for Christian women. It's all at home workouts, all based on Bible study. Um, and you can find me at soulstrengthfit.com. I also have soul strength fit kids. Super cute. This is on YouTube. Like I said, kinesthetic learning for little ones is amazing. So this is teaching them Bible stories with exercise. Nice. Um, so you can find me on YouTube. Also, I have a bunch of my workouts up on YouTube. Um, I also have a podcast called Devotionals on the Go. And it's exactly that. You want you just 12 minutes of listening while you're driving, folding laundry, whatever. But 12 minutes of like listening description or rather scripture and then reflecting on it. Um, 
So those are a bunch of the places you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, Kelly Wenner. And yeah. Love it. Although if you have a couple minutes, I named this from your from your profile. Like I, I named this episode three three reasons why women run on empty. And I never asked you what the three reasons were. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, three reasons why women run on empty. One, they don't properly fuel, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, properly fueling means like, are you taking care of your spiritual health? Are you taking care of your physical health? Another really big one, are you taking care of the health of like, you know, community relationships? Without those three things, you're not properly fueling. Um, Two, they ignore the owner's manual. And the owner's manual tells you, you have to exercise your body regularly. You have to eat good foods. You have to, you know, get a little bit of sunlight, vitamin D. Like we, there's basic science that tells us the owner's manual and you can't ignore the owner's manual. And also, you know what? A lot of times we just ignore the warning lights that go off in our car, in our, you know, whatever we ignore the warning lights. And that's like, you know, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling run down. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling, yeah, these are all warning signs that something is ready to change and you can't ignore them. You can't go through life ignoring any of those warning signals telling you that like a a change is needed and it might require some work. So I think those are three reasons right there that, you know, women might be running on empty. I I love that. They ignore the owner's manual. That's that's also I, I said something similar. I think think it was two two epi- two episodes ago. I said, I said it's an open book test. It's like like everybody knows drink yeah. enough drink enough water, exercise, eat right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's an yeah. open book test. Everyone knows that yet eighty percent of people don't do it. Yeah, we want to look for something easier. I guess you know yeah. easier is not always better. Yeah, and eating healthy doesn't have to be bland. <laughs> you know, it, it, it might yeah. take a little more work. You know, yeah. a little more work, but you can make some great taste and healthy food. Yeah. That's it's the one thing I hear. Yeah, that's the one thing I hear. All the time. They're like, I like flavor. I was like, okay. Yeah, good. This. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> like, me <laughs> too. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, this, this has been awesome. So I'm sure we're going to cross pads again. I do, I do like, uh, I do, uh, what the hell are they called? All-star panels where, okay. I, where I bring bring former guests back and, you know, we take a take a subject and we tackle. And I've had a lot of a lot of fitness professionals on here, so like I'm sure I'll be doing several of those if you're interested in coming back and uh, expanding yeah, the conversation. Very so, good. Yes, absolutely. I'm all things faith and fitness. That's me. Awesome, love it. And um, I have some podcast friends too that I'm gonna gonna connect you with. And uh, I believe I believe I have. I believe I have some someone that's that does this too that they do the, the faith and fitness thing. I'll have to go back. That, that was probably like 60 episodes okay. ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I know I had a conversation similar, similar okay. to, Very to what, good. what we just did. So I'll match you up with some great people. Thanks, Robert. My pleasure. All right, you have a great day. All right. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Great. Thank you for joining. All right, take care. All right. So that was Kelly. If you're just now tuning in, make sure you go back and listen to the whole thing. And we shared a lot of good information. She gave a lot of good insights. I got a whole bunch of notes over here. So uh, I learned stuff from every guest as well. And so I will be back tomorrow. As I just mentioned, the all-star panel is this Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, where we're going to be tackling how to stay committed to your goals in 2022. 
So you don't want to miss that one because all six of these people rock their individual episodes. And this one's going to be, it's going to be high energy. It's going to be entertaining, but most importantly, you're going to leave definitely inspired to crush 2022. So that's all I got for you for today. Have a great day. You've been listening to shut up and grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and grind.